Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Dave and Dejanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio. We're waking up this uh, Monday morning to two bank failures in three days. If you just heard about the one in Silicon Valley, uh, that one is definitely having direct impact here in the state of Utah. We're going to get into those details in just a moment. If you're thinking a second bank, yeah, the second bank was in New York. It's Signature Bank. It was also uh, shut down by the feds this weekend. I think the question a lot of us are asking is, is it going to stop there? Is it just these two banks or are other banks going to follow? What did they do that was so bad that, that it just blew up over the weekend? It's 9.07. It's time for the launch. Engaged. And here are three things that Debbie wants you to know. Countdown three. Besides our in-depth coverage over the bank failures this morning, we're also uh, diving into the 20-year anniversary of finding Elizabeth Smart alive after nine months of being kidnapped and raped. Uh, the arrest of her captor, I, I want to make this clear, Dave, because we so much we celebrate her return, yeah. right? But this is really just the beginning of, of this man's prosecution. So we're going to take you inside the interrogation room with the FBI special agent who was there. Can you tell me the truth? How did Elizabeth wind up with you? Tell me the truth right now. By the power of God, she was delivered to us. And how did God deliver her to you? It was chilling to watch this interview, right? The interrogation. I I, had heard bits and pieces, but... it is. We, we focus so much on Elizabeth, we forget how investigators and interrogators really broke things down of her kidnapper. The FBI agent will join us. We'll also have some tips on how to teach our own kids to stay safe. Countdown to... Oh, like I said, we begin this work week with a surprise disaster in the banking industry, the failure of that bank in California, the fallout felt right here in Utah. So we're going to discuss the local industries that are impacted by this run on the Silicon Valley Bank, specifically on Utah's tech sector and, believe it or not, for DIYers. We're going to get into that angle in just a bit. Also, I'm looking forward to this deep dive at 950 in what it means to be FDIC or NCUA insured. What does that cover exactly? I mean, do I have to be rich just for it to kick in? 
Uh, it's a great question because oftentimes when you see the banking commercials, they'll say FDIC insured, and you feel great about it. I, I realized I, I don't know exactly what that means. And is there a cap? Like, will they only cover up to a certain amount? Or like I said, you have to be rich. <laughs> yeah, like billions, up to billions. I don't know. Launch countdown. One. We're waiting for a really important meeting to happen on this topic any moment now. I just got word from a producer. It hasn't started yet. It's the governor of Utah along with uh, several legislative leaders um, meeting. Uh, we're going to actually, we've got a link to it. We're going to take you there live as fears of contagion spread over more bank collapses. We know that two fell this weekend. The one that's our focus for the governor, as well as the president of the United States, is the SVB Bank in Silicon Valley. Um, I think President Biden's Monday morning, it was a very brief address this morning. I think this move uh, could stave off pure panic in the banking industry and for customers. All customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. And the president, the Fed, everyone's doing some pretty impressive contortionist uh, impressions to try to say this is not a bailout, though. Though it is a bailout. It's it's a partial bailout or a baby bailout. At least that's what a BYU economist believes. He says, sure, this might be a short-term solution, but it may bring long-term problems. Uh, he's essentially telling the markets that there's no cap on how much money the, the government's going to insure. Dave and Dujanovic. The launch. Commence. Dave and Dujanovic. Special coverage of the top national story. It, that did spread like wildfire this weekend. Fears uh, that more banks could collapse. And, and sure enough, in New York, a bank was seized this weekend. Different issues at hand. Kind of the same outcome. Right now, our governor, uh, both uh, our senators, Senator Mike Lee and Senator Mitt Romney, legislative leadership here in Utah, banking leaders holding a town hall. We thought it would be started by now. They said it was a 9 o'clock start time. Um, it, they're just running a little bit b- behind. But the moment it starts, Dave, we're going to take our listeners there to dip in live. I'm very interested in hearing uh, what their concerns are, uh, if they have some words of re- reassurance for Utah, because sometimes we talk about banks, banks on the coast. How much does this affect us? That's the, the million-dollar question right now. As we're waiting for that to start live, I want to rewind. I want to rewind on what happened over the weekend. It really started late last week. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank failed, and this is, as we've reported multiple times, the biggest bank to fail since the 08 financial crisis. It's important to note that this is a specialty-type bank. It specializes in the tech sector, um, specifically like venture capitalists, people looking – small businesses, a lot of startups turn to SVB to launch their businesses. Um, So they took those deposits. Like you put money in the bank, they took those deposits, and then they turned around and invested heavily in treasury bonds. And that's where things – Take a turn. Which is very surprising because conventional wisdom tells you, you know, 
Put it in bonds. Safe. It's the safest Safe. place to yeah. put your money, right? So if a, a bank invests that way, th- that's not just speculating. You know, that's not something that is wild or crazy. So the idea that it's this very investment strategy that came back to bite them was shocking. Didn't your mama ever tell you don't put all your eggs in one basket, David? Yeah. Okay, that's part of the problem. Yeah. When you put them all in the treasury bond or most of them in the treasury bond basket, it's a it's it's it was great, right? You're right. It's safe until the Fed started raising interest rates. And those low yield bonds that were paying 1 and 2% look pretty dang ugly compared to the new bonds that were out there, those shiny new bonds that are paying much more in a return. Which is not a big deal if it's your grandma's $100 treasury bond she gave you, you know, that you're going to sit on for 30 years. But when you're talking about tens of billions of dollars and you're missing out on several percentage points on return – you can see where, where people would be like, all right, I'm done with this bank. This bank, I'm just taking my money out. Well, let me pull another egg out of the basket. The tech sector started to wobble a lot. Yeah. And there were a lot of layoffs you and I didn't talk about because there got to be so many different layoffs across the industry as cuts started to happen. And so now, you know, a lot of those people, maybe they want their money out of the bank and all of a sudden... There's a lot of money who want their there a lot of people who want their money all at once and it's all tied up in treasury bonds that are the kind of the ugly duckling treasury bonds of the group. So you're as as the as SVB as it went, things got worse for them. They were yeah. stuck. They were stuck with these bonds that they can't really sell right away. They had a liquidity problem. Yeah. Or they're taking huge losses on them. So President Biden spoke first thing this morning. We were we were listening into that. It was short. It was brief, but he's trying to calm industry fears, uh, bank customer fears that this will happen. This will happen to other banks. Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. And their hardworking employees can breathe easier as well. We'll continue following this all morning long. Uh, it looks like it's Silicon Slopes. They're having this town hall with the governor, with her senators, state leadership, banking leaders. Uh, as, as soon as we get that uh, online, we're going to bring that to you uh, because I think it's important to, to know what happens here in Utah. How does this impact us? Straight ahead, we're going to speak to a BYU economist. Um, you know, the FDIC typically covers up to $250,000, right? But you look at this bank, SVB. Like they had billions and billions of dollars over the insured amount. So, what ha- is that normal for the feds to just turn around and bail out, even though you have more than $250,000 in there? And where's that coming from? Is that coming from taxpayers? We're going to add. Dave and Dujanovic, special coverage of the top national story. KSL News Radio reporter Adam Small in the newsroom uh, monitoring. That live discussion between both Utah's senators, Mitt Romney and Mike Lee, the governors on on that link as well. They're all talking about this SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, failure over the weekend. As soon as we get word that we have access to that link, um, there's a big meeting going on right now. It's uh, public. 
we're going to dip into that. But this definitely sent shockwaves through the banking industry. Look, you don't have to be in the banking industry to be nervous. I was worried about what would happen come Monday when the banks reopened. So far, I think we're okay. We hope. Yeah. And and this is what happens is government comes in. They try to settle everybody down. That's exactly what President Biden did this morning. That's why he joined or did a public address first thing in the morning. He's trying to settle everybody down. Okay, what are the ramifications of the government stepping in and securing these loans and the deposits? What does that mean long term? Yeah, he talked about investors um, will not be made whole who were investors in the bank. But if you were a depositor, in other words, you have a bank account at this bank, $250,000, usually the threshold, if we all see it, right? FDIC, NCUA, if you bank at a credit union. He said, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to make you all whole. Investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works. And fourth, there are important questions of how these banks got into the circumstance in the first place. We must get the full accounting of what happened and why those responsible can be held accountable. Joining us right now is professor of economics at BYU, Mark Showalter. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for joining us. Beyond. Hey, President Biden said uh, very clearly, very clearly, depositors don't need to worry. They'll have access to their funds. It sounds like great news if I've put money into these banks. What's the downside of guaranteeing all of these deposits? Well, the way it's instructed to this point, it's almost as if there is now this blanket uh insurance for deposits regardless of size. Um, currently, as you know, it's a $250,000 cap. So if you lose, if you have an account that's bigger than that, then you're not insured. You don't get your money. There's no guarantee for anything above that 250 But uh, for these two banks, they've essentially said, it doesn't matter. Uh, everything gets, uh, everything's insured. You can get your money out. Um, the question, there's a legal question. Can they actually do that? So, um, and then if it's just these two banks, then um, there's a question of why are they so special? Um, But if you're going to do something that essentially gives a guarantee to all funds, then that becomes a question of whether that's legal and can be actually done. And you're going to have to figure out a way to pay for it. So right now, those $250,000 limit is paid for by a levy on all bank deposits. But that levy is enough to fund 
risks up to $250,000. If you're going to fund all deposits, that levy is going to have to be a lot higher. Uh, and so that's going to be a cost that um, I don't know how much it is, but somebody's going to have to figure that out. And, you know, that's going to – it's not so, like a tax directly, but it's going to be a fee that's going to come out in what banks uh, are going to be able to give out as far as rates or charges, uh, positing rates. Uh, Mark Showalter is a BYU professor of economics. You're much brighter than I am um, when it comes to the economy, professor. And banking, but I. Okay, but but well, I, I've been doing a lot of reading in, uh, on this, and and I I think that two hundred fifty thousand dollar limit is it, it's almost like r- ridiculous these days, given the amount of funds that a business needs to work with in order to even make payroll, for example, or, or be able to have access to funds. I mean, so many businesses, there's no way they could operate with two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the bank. Just on payroll alone, I wondered if that cap is just – it was set years ago and it just stayed low and it just doesn't make sense with today's times. Well, the cap was meant to ensure individuals. It wasn't meant to uh, be a backstop for businesses, even even small businesses. Um, now, there are workarounds, so there are business models out there that will essentially aggregate loans across a whole bunch of different banks. And so as a small business over uh, owner with maybe a, a $5 million a month payroll or something like that, uh, you can uh, engage one of these firms that will split up your banking needs across a bunch of different banks. And so every bank has your deposit in any given bank is below that cap. And so you're insured for much more than that $250,000, but it costs somebody to do that accounting for you. Uh, and so there's ways to do that as a small business, but you know, when you get to be large, then even that becomes uh, prohibitively expensive. Um, but that's not what that $250,000 cap was meant to do. That was meant to kind of ensure those small investors uh, and, and you know, individuals, not, not firms. Yeah. If banks understand that the government's going to come in and guarantee any of these losses or their deposits, does this make the banks almost feel – uh, superhuman, where where they can take maybe unnecessary risks, take a chance because they know there's a backstop. Well, if you're SVB management, that's not what you're thinking right now. If you just lost your job, um, and so the way this is being structured is the management, the people who are making those decisions to buy long-term assets with higher yields, but then uh, are hit by rising interest rates. Those people in those situations, their incentives are still in line to make smarter management decisions because these guys got fired. What it creates is a problem for small business owners. Instead of being careful about the management of their funds for their payroll, they're not being as careful about it. Uh, and you can run into these kind of problems right now. So that's why you're seeing kind of anything less than kind of the very top tier banks. So I was looking at Zion, the bank corp. They're down 20% today. And anybody who's kind of um, lower tier, there's this question of, do you have enough financial stability? Is your management good enough to manage this? Uh, and so that's, that's going to be a question for regional banks like SVB and First Republic is also now under significant pressure. Uh, Mark Walter is a BYU professor of economics. I asked him to jump on the line with us. Grateful for his time this morning after the collapse of two banks kind of two banks in three days. Uh, 
contagion. Talk contagion. Uh, what's your concern that this is? These are the first two dominoes to fall, Professor. Well, with this um, with this backstop on all funds are guaranteed, regardless of how much, that's going to limit the amount of immediate uh, pressure to withdraw from banks. But you're going to see this movement to larger banks until things get stabilized a little bit. Because most, you know, if you're a small business, you know, you're not checking into the management style of your local bank. You're just hoping they're going to keep working. But now. You're going to have a lot more confidence in a large bank um, that has, frankly, more federal regulatory oversight than than an SBB or things like that. And so there's going to be some volatility as as this stuff gets sorted out. Um, But I think the actions taken to this point will probably limit the damage. You know, so I don't – there's a couple of banks right now kind of on the margin. Uh, based on what I can see, uh, but it's not going to lead to a wholesale meltdown of the financial system. Mark Showalter, thank you for joining us, BYU professor of economics. So Utah, certainly uh, we have our share of DIYers. Uh, a lot a lot of folks who DIY projects turn around and sell stuff online. Uh, and then I read that- Like Etsy? Like Etsy. Okay. That they got stung by the SVB bank collapse. Special coverage of the top national story. If you caught it over the weekend, then you know there was a run on a bank in Silicon Valley, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank. This wasn't just a bank that stood up a couple of years ago. It's been around for 40 years. Heavy, heavy, heavy in the tech sector uh, with depositors. So they specialize, Dave. And, And if you're a DIYer, you make stuff. And you sell it online, like on Etsy. Okay. Have you ever done that? Never never done the Etsy thing. There's a good chance you may be impacted by this SVB collapse. If you are a Utah who's a DIYer who happens to sell stuff on Etsy. We're going to get into that in just a moment. I wonder how much uh, of this collapse happened because of social media. Part of... You know, the problem when you have a run on the banks, a quote unquote run on the banks is everybody is panicking at the exact same time. That is the very definition of social media, right, is everything happens at the exact same time. So if you start hearing rumblings and panickings and it starts spreading through Twitter, what, you know, how much of that contributed to these banks collapse? We asked Robert Spenlove this morning, uh, Amanda Dixon did, on Utah's Morning News, uh, and Robert Spenlove is is with Zion's Bank, uh, and asked him about the role that social media played in this collapse. How much do you blame management, and how much do you blame social media for what happened here? Yeah, I think a big part of it is social media, and that in the Twitter world, things can get out of control pretty quickly. I think there, you know, we, we don't know exactly what happened with SVP and Signature Bank, uh, I think there probably was some uh, management struggles or some management errors. Uh, but, you know, in, in this era of very quick, uh, uh, you know, r- running around on Twitter and things like that, we need to make sure that we keep a, a clear head. President Biden fired everybody at Silicon Valley Bank, mm-hmm. right? He said FDIC has taken that over. He fired everybody. So trying to blame it on mismanagement, right? But what was the mismanagement? They took all of those deposits, all that money, and they invested them 
in what is largely considered the safest possible investment, Mm -hmm. treasury bonds. And then treasury bonds kind of tanked. Yeah, I think they took their eye off the ball. That's what I think happened. I, I, I think because a lot of a lot of people, when you deposit your money in a bank, do you know what they do with it from there? No, honestly, nobody. Yeah, point is, is nobody. That, yeah. do, nobody knows. Yeah. You leave that up to the bank. Well, you know, and they the don't management keep it of the in bank there to make really sound investments. And treasury bonds are sound. But when you're buying a treasury bond in 2000, 2001 at one percent or two percent, and by twenty twenty three. They're paying five percent. Nobody gonna buy your nobody's gonna buy your bonds that you're holding. And they held billions and billions of dollars in bonds. As I said earlier, they put so many eggs in one basket. And then when the tech sector started to wobble, which we've seen a lot of layoffs this year. We know there's been a lot of struggles in the tech sector. Everybody's going back to work now, not as many online meetings and such, for example. That's just one aspect of the tech sector that we've seen kind of struggle now that people are getting back to the office. The tech sector starts to wobble, and then people want money out of the bank, and the money is all tied up in these bonds that are really not worth much on the market, right? You have to have customers who want to buy your product, and if you have bonds that are paying 1%, interest and I can buy a bond that pays 5% interest, where am I going to buy that bond from? Not SVB. Yeah. But that part of that is the Fed's fault, right? Like who saw this coming? And in the last year, these massive changes the, the Fed has made in jacking up interest rates, I, I don't know how much of that is mismanagement and how much should yeah. fall on the Fed. The Verge, uh, many, many news outlets are reporting this. The Verge is the one I turn to. Um, talking about Etsy specifically, some sellers not receiving their payments on time. So if you rely, if you're a DIYer, you you know, you turn to Etsy to sell your stuff, you might not get your payment. Um, but the good news is, is that the company is trying to use other forms of payments right now or other payment partners. And they were hopeful that some of the sellers that were, you know, out their money over the weekend will start seeing payments as of today. And I think with President Biden making the announcement today, this morning, that um, depositors will be made whole as of today, you will have access to your funds if you bank with SVB. I hope that those who are the DIYers in Utah and beyond will start getting seeing their money show up. Because if you're relying on that to feed your family, and to make your mortgage payment or to pay your employees and it's tied up because the, there was a run on the bank and the bank failed, yeah, that would hurt, right? I so how many how many days did these small businesses just sit in limbo yeah. and panic and think, how, how am I going to pay for all this? Yeah, one of, one of them, um, a CNN, an owner of a small tech company, was on CNN this weekend and she said she started to get word la- last week and then went to withdraw money. Well, we were incredibly lucky to have that news early from an investor. Um, We didn't withdraw the money immediately. You know, we're conscientious business owners. We spoke to a few other investors. We spoke to friends. I mean, this is like calls going off the hook for the last 36 hours. When we felt confident that this was going to be a crisis, we withdrew the money through transfers and wires as soon as possible. 
I mean, she was withdrawing small amounts, big amounts, just to not set off an AI that might limit our withdrawals. My co-founder, Audrey, and I constantly think about two things. We think about our team, the people we employ and their families, and we think about our patients, the mothers, the new moms, and the families that we support and their families. And so for us, it was do this now or else. And they ended up making enough withdrawals that they got their main account at SVB below the $250,000 threshold for FDIC insurance to kick in. But they were like finagling all last week trying to get the money out. And that is that is an example of what a bank run looks like. That's exactly. just one person. Well, and, and you heard her say, we got word. We got word, and then it started spreading, and it spread through social media. You could see posts all over the place. And as soon as there is this sense that there is a run, you don't care about the wellness of the bank. All you care about is your bank account specifically, and you will drain that thing in a heartbeat if you can. I have a lot of questions this weekend um, about FDIC and also the insurance that you have if you bank at a credit union. NCUA. I see those signs all over the bank, and it says like $250,000 that you're insured up to. President Biden said today, like, it's unlimited. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, they're going to cover, and I don't know who's going to cover that exactly, if that's going to be taxpayers or that's going to be the FDIC uh, insurance fund. That covers the, the amount above $250,000. He claims it's all FDIC money. I'll give you an example. SVB Bank alone was holding on to $175 billion in deposits. I say holding on. They weren't. They had $175 billion in deposits. $148 billion of that was uninsured. So 85% of that bank's funds were uninsured. So let's dive into what FDIC insurance covers, um, how quickly you normally get your money if a bank fails, and what questions do you have uh, about FDIC insurance? Like, is it just like one account that it covers or multiple? Or Yeah, all of those questions. But I, I was also fascinated as we were talking to our, our BYU economist, he said it wasn't meant to be for small businesses mm. or large businesses. That's a good one. That's a good question. Like, where do you so bank? So, who's covered? If you're a small business or a large business, is there any insurance or are you just rolling the dice? Details on that next. Ask that question next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.